0: It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Doing Good. I am your host, Carmen Herbert, and today I have an awesome guest on the show, Bob Cattell. Bob, how are you today?
0: I'm having a blast. I played pickleball already this morning.
1: Okay, so And I went defeated. I
0: lost every single game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when did you get into pickleball? That's like the latest craze right now. Everyone's doing pickleball.
0: Uh, well, uh, I'm getting pretty old and I had to give up tennis and racquetball and all this stuff. And somebody introduced pickleball and went, oh, I can play that game. Awesome. Except if I play for three hours, I can't walk the rest of the day.
1: I know it, it's re- it's fun. It's a fast game. Like old and young can play. We really like it. It's really fun. So that's fun. Um, I'm sorry you lost all your games, but you know practice makes perfect. The more oh, you I, do it,
0: I laugh whether I win or lose. I'm good. I'm okay either way.
1: You're okay. Are you super competitive? I used to be, but not uh, anymore. I find out
0: competition is tied into rage.
1: <gasps> okay, I want to talk about that then later. So for those of you who don't know, Bob, he is an internationally renowned award-winning speaker. Bob ignites hope and inspires greatness with audiences literally all over the world, masterfully entertaining and motivational. And he teaches how you can be happy and successful and how these can be achieved despite life's disappointments, setbacks, and adversities. Some people that Bob has toured with include Rudy Giuliani, Tom Hopkins, Brian Tracy, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Joe Montana, Lou Holtz, Donald Trump, many other political, motivational, and sports celebrities. His 2018 speaking calendar included a number of events in Canada with Tony Robbins and Tom Hopkins. You have spoken, Bob, for the last 30 years at events featuring former U.S. presidents Gerald Ford. George H and W Bush, Bill Clinton and former first ladies, Barbara Bush and Laura Bush and former world leaders. Okay. Tell me how to say this. Mikhail Mikhail Gorbachev. Gorbachev and Margaret Thatcher. Awesome. Thank you. You knew exactly who I was saying, too. You knew exactly who I was trying to pronounce without me even saying it.
0: Yeah, because I didn't put my principal on there, on G.S. and
1: <laughs> So Bob's personal experience with going from panic to peace and from a busy brain to a quieted mind can help build human connections, repair relationships, and calm the mind and body. Bob, I kind of want to just, like, have you come live at my house for a week? Uh. And teach me these things like firsthand because I have four boys and many of them are – we talked about just before we went on air being a rage monster and and hot-headed. And I have two in particular that can fly off the handle at like the drop of a hat. And I'm always, calm down. And sometimes it's hard to take a breath. Like when you say that, it almost makes them even more angry. Like how can I calm down? I'm so frustrated. So – I want to know, first of all, what your experience was like as a young child, how, how you experienced these feelings of anger and, and, and getting upset and, and rageful. Was it just because you were a really passionate, excited young kid, or did you have some experiences that caused you to harbor these feelings?
0: Well, what's interesting is back in 2011, I had my first bout with major, massive, unbelievable panic attacks. Up to then, I, and I tell people, I show them with me speaking in front of 30,000 people and I go, doesn't that guy look like he's got a lot of confidence, like he's uh, uh, bulletproof That, and they're all going, yeah, yeah. And I go, that guy up on that stage is hiding behind a mask of depression, anxiety, and low self-esteem. And I said, I finally took the mask off when the panic attacks it because I needed help. So- it's a journey. In fact, I have a TED Talk that, that talks about the journey, and I could tell you parts of it. But yeah, when I was a kid, I was telling you the example. My bicycle was having problems, and I just threw it up against the wall over and over again until I completely smashed it to pieces. And then I went, I wonder why I did that. Well, I found out that when we're angry or your kids are angry, the blood leaves your frontal lobe, and you will do and say things you normally wouldn't say or do. So 10 years ago, somebody hung up on me. I took my cell phone and threw it at the wall. And just before it hit the wall, I went, why did I do that?
1: right because you literally kind of lose your mind a little bit you you lose that that like the blood going to your brain you do things that you it's like reactive right it's just immediately and then you realize oh yeah then the senses come back to you and you realize so what what did your parents do to help you through these episodes when they found your smashed bike and things what did they do
0: my mother just saw it as
1: you'll learn You'll learn. Really? Yeah. So She wasn't like, you are grounded. We do not behave that way. Like come down on you harshly. She was very patient with you.
0: Yeah. My mother was really good at uh, helping us to learn that this is your life. About my sophomore year, she goes, now, if you don't get good grades, these are the kinds of jobs you can have. And if you get good grades, these are the kinds of jobs you can have. She goes, it's your life. And that kind of turned on the, uh, oh, I should get better grades then so I can maybe one day go to college. So my mother was pretty good at that.
1: That she is did. incredible.
0: My mother didn't do a lot of shaming or guilting. I didn't learn that till I went to BYU. And then, um, you know, the childhood brain is very malleable. Yes. And a third of my trauma came from the shame and the guilt. And I learned what manipulation is, using blame, shame, doubt, guilt, and fear to get somebody else to do what you want them to do. So one day I learned that and I called my daughter, who knows psychology. I go, Dolly, I have been manipulating you to get you to do what I want to do. She goes, I know, Dad. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? You needed to see it for yourself, dad. So when I call my daughter and go, hey, you want to go to dinner? And she goes, well, I got other plans. Okay, have a blast. Instead of, oh, come on, you know, I'm your dad. And which is, what am I doing now? I'm shaming and guilting, right? You should be spending more time with me.
1: Yes, yes. How did you figure out, not because it seems like, it's not maybe as easy of a switch to flip. How did you figure out how to do that? How to, how to stop the shame and the guilt, both with feeling it yourself and then projecting it onto other people.
0: I, I didn't stop it. What my, I spent $40,000 going to all these experts that were, you know, I know what doesn't work now. This guy got me throwing my arms around screaming and he goes, pal, I want you to get it out. And that's how I found the first trauma that I ever had. And it was my mother simply leaving me at somebody's house while she got an operation. Well, I love my mother, but that three-year-old hated his mother and had all this rage inside that she left me. I didn't know she was coming back. And, you know, she came back and life went on, but that trauma was still sitting there. When I unleashed that one, uh, I got really angry. And then I sobbed for like 30 minutes and I'm going, what the crap is going on? And my psychiatrist goes, all right, we finally broke through because he's asking me, what do you see? And I go, I don't want to tell you. He goes, Bob, you've got to get it out. You can't leave it there. So I told him what I saw and it took four months to heal the rage and then four months to heal the shame and guilt and sorrow and sadness. Uh, You know, for everybody who ever hurt me and everybody I ever hurt, I I finally processed it and got it out because trauma is an unprocessed event.
1: So this was just from events that had happened in your life growing up that you had these emotions and feelings, like just living life. You you had all these emotions and feelings, and you were able to go to a. Did you say a psychiatrist or psychologist?
0: I was a therapist. So I had already gone to psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist, energy healers, and voodoo doctors, and but this guy did it different. He didn't just talk about it. He said, "I want you to start swinging your arms. I want you to scream." Act um, it out. And yeah, there's a, an article by Jordan Gray. It's called "How to Release Repressed Anger." And if you read that, you go, "Oh, that's what I sh- I could be doing." So when I got angry, I went up to my my bedroom and I would start pounding on the bed like I was beating the crap out of the person, like my coach. Uh, when I was 14 years old, he put on a loser on all our helmets. A third of the team quit, and I had no idea that I had shoved all that anger down. My Why kindergarten. Did
1: do Why did he do that? To try to motivate you?
0: Yeah. My kindergarten teacher, this was one of my biggest traumas of my life. She simply embarrassed me in front of the class. And that little boy felt so much shame and rage and guilt. And that was one of the bigger, biggest things I had to heal.
1: So, and, and you didn't even realize that you were harboring that until and you were an adult.
0: Right. So for eight months, I went through all of that. So one day I go to my psychiatrist. I said, something really strange has happened. He goes, what? I said, I usually had to play golf from sunup to sundown. I would play 18 holes, take the kids to school, play 18 holes, because speaking, I was gone three days a month. Uh, then I would get pick up the kids, take them with me to the golf course, let them go swimming at the pool. Then I'd take them home. We have dinner. And when they went to bed, I'd go over to the range and practice. And I was just there for 15 minutes. and I kind of got bored. When I sit on the airplane, I always had to read a book and play a game. And I said, I didn't do that. I looked out the window at the clouds. I go, what's going on? He goes, your OCD is falling away. You're growing up. I go, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And so uh, the other thing that my kids noticed, one of them said, dad, when you're speaking, you're like a mosquito on cocaine and you keep everyone's attention. (laughs) But he said, Dad, you couldn't turn that off. From the time you woke up, you were go, 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 nonstop, keeping us busy. And we walked on eggshells around you. We couldn't feel comfortable because you were so wound up. You'd walk into a store 30 seconds later, you're out of the store. Dad, you just sat down and talked to me for over an hour, looking me right in the eye. And I feel so comfortable and you're so calm. Dad, are you on drugs? If you are, this is a really good one for you. So my kids and my friends were the first ones to notice the difference. And I was going, oh. Oh, if you heal and grow up, like, Bob, you need to be more patient. When I healed yeah. the trauma in my childhood, I became more patient. Bob, you need to be more loving. It used to be if I was on stage, I I needed the attention, but then yeah. I got out of there as fast as I could. Now yeah. when I speak, I hang around to the last person is left. If anybody wants to talk about anything, I'm happy to do it.
1: It doesn't drain you and wear you out like it used to. Right. So So, so tell us how... You, I know you met with this. What what is what is his official title? The person that got you through all this.
0: His name's Doctor Manoff, and I actually asked him. I put him in my book, Enlighten Up. I asked his permission to use his name on my TED Talk and in the book. Doctor so Manoff. Everybody, if if you're living in Utah, American Fork, Doctor Manoff, uh, and I've sent other people to him, and he, you know, everybody didn't have the problem I had, but he's able to identify whatever that might be and take you down that road.
1: Do you think that everyone in life has things that they're holding on to that affects how they act and treat others and deal with stress and anger? And that it's not just, oh, if you have an issue like OCD or rage, but that everyone could benefit from examining themselves and their childhood to become better and to continue to improve?
0: Well, this, and to the best of my knowledge, I only have my own experience to to draw from, but it seems to me that we all grow up. I mean, for your kids, if your kids are acting out or get angry, I'd put them in a room and say, beat the crap out of that bed, go for it. Instead of you shouldn't be angry. Right. You're To suppress it. And that anger is bad. Anger is a secondary emotion covering pain. So every time I felt anger, instead of blaming somebody out there for the anger inside, I went, oh, they're not making me angry. I'm feeling triggered. It's like the little boy who said to his mother, mommy, we're all the stupid idiot drivers today. They only come out when your father's driving.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Two people see the
0: same event, one's triggered, one's not. So I learned that if something irritated me or was making me angry or making me sad, it was inside of me and I reflected and looked in here instead of out there. Can, Can I tell you the metaphor of the teddy bear? Absolutely. Okay. Did you ever have a teddy bear or a blanket that made you feel really good? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's put the teddy bear across the room from you. What okay. magical properties are coming out of that teddy bear to make you feel anything?
1: Hmm, I don't know. Just the familiarity of it.
0: Oh, so there's familiarity little things coming out to you.
1: Yeah. Like as a child, that's You're what I'm a scientist. I, that, that's what's what
0: coming out of that bear.
1: I I would I'm very visual and so I and I can imagine things. So I would imagine, oh, the teddy bear's there, so I'm comfortable. It's something that I've had since I was a little girl. That makes me feel safe. And I know it's watching me. That's what I would think.
0: Okay. So you're creating a fantasy to feel better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So a scientist would say there's nothing coming out of that bear. Right. So where's the beautiful feeling coming from? Inside. Okay. It's always there, but sometimes our mind is making too much noise and we can't feel it, right? Right. Here's the key part. What magical teddy bears are people chasing because they think something out there is going to make them feel good inside?
1: So many different things. Like? a new house, a boat, a different job, a a different spouse, anything.
0: Yeah. Money, badges, honors. Are there people that have all of that and they're still miserable? Yes. Because they've been
1: conditioned
0: conditioned to look for happiness out there when it already exists in here. And when you can reflect and keep looking inside, you go, oh, and once you see something, you can't unsee it.
1: That's interesting. And and how how does one go about creating? Is this something that you talk about and share with audiences is how to create that magical happiness inside of you?
0: It's not magical. It's always there, but our mind is making too much noise. All of our emotions come from our thoughts and our thoughts aren't real. And I had somebody go, what do you mean thoughts aren't real? I go, okay, watch the power of a thought. Picture a little spider crawling across your face. And some people will go like that, right? And yeah. I go, I'm sorry, is there a spider on your face? Well, no, you just had a thought and it's not real. Have you ever gone to a scary movie and it's freaking you out? And then you go, wait, wait a second. It's not real. I'm okay, right? Okay, so thoughts aren't real. 99% of our thoughts are a total waste of time and they do nothing but freak us out.
1: So if thoughts aren't real, what is real? Emotions are real? Oh, yeah.
0: Emotions are real. But watch this. Uh, part of my healing, and this was after I handled the childhood trauma. Otherwise, you know, if you have PTSD or you're, you know, you're dealing with some horrible trauma of the past, this does no good. Positivity does no good. It's it's still there. So there was a, I, I love telling this story. There was a young lady, uh, junior in high school, and she has this massive anxieties inside, right? And she was freaking out and her parents said, will you talk to her, Bob? I said, okay. So I said, what's going on? <sighs> we've got a soccer game coming up on Saturday. I said, okay, what about it? Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to fall down. I'm afraid the coach is going to yell at me. I'm afraid I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm afraid we're going to lose and not go to state. I said, can I ask you a question? She goes, "Uh uh-huh. Are you currently playing soccer on Saturday? Let me remind you it's Tuesday and we're sitting here. She goes, what? Are you currently playing soccer on Saturday? Well, she goes, no. I said, so you're playing a movie in your head and it's not what? Did you fall down on Saturday? Did the coach yell at you? Did you get embarrassed? Did you guys lose? You're playing a bunch of movies in your head and they're not. They're not real. So I asked her, you already know what you do when you play that little movie in your head. It freaks you out, right? Right. What would you experience right now sitting here with me without that movie playing in your head? Wake up from the nightmare of the future and be right here right now. What would it feel like? And she looked at her dad and goes, dad, I could be happy. And she got it. She goes, oh, my gosh, it's not real. And she started laughing and she got all excited. Now, young kids seem to get it a lot quicker. So one of the things I do good uh, for every professional talk I give, I always ask them, get me four or five schools in the area that can't afford me and I'll come speak there for free.
1: Awesome. And I
0: love doing that. And I have these kids, I tell them some of this stuff and I go, look, I suffer from depression. That's sadness and hopelessness. I took the mask off. I'm admitting to you, I took the mask off. Do not suffer silently. One third of you in this, this, Building are probably going through it. And some of you told an adult or a professional, and some of you haven't come out from behind the mask. There's your counselors, or come up and talk to me afterwards. And we find kids in crisis, kids who are thinking of ending their own lives. And, you know, some kids just go, That was a great talk. Thanks a lot. But it it gave awareness to let them know that there's hope. You can get better. Like when I do this for the military, I do it free for them too. And they're dealing with a lot of the same stuff. Oh, yeah. But it also, give some awareness to the guys that say, come on, just buck up. You can't say buck up to somebody suffering depression. For sure. When you're depressed, a normal brain under an fMRI, looks like it's lit up like a Christmas tree. When you're depressed, it almost looks like the lights have gone off. And it yeah. feels like darkness, like you're being buried in it. And somebody says, well, you need to buck up. Well, That's not working.
1: No, it, it's true. So
0: one, one last thing on this. Yes. Um, she started this, this young lady in high school started yes. getting really angry. And I go, why are you mad? You know, what my sister said to me two days ago, and then she started laughing. I go, why are you laughing? She goes, it's over. It's over. I, I I can only be mad if I think about what happened two days ago and it's not even real anymore. So, uh, Byron Katie wrote the book, loving what is. Yes. And that's where that information, that that's where you can learn how to do it for yourself. But once again, you got to handle childhood trauma.
1: So how do you then, when you work through, yes, your childhood trauma and the things that are maybe holding you back, how do you live in that present moment? And do you still think that it's important to visualize happy future thoughts, to imagine the girl making goals on the soccer team, to imagine her not falling down? Do you ever switch it and say, well, no, just picture yourself doing amazing and, and, and winning and scoring a goal? Or do you, is it more about, just living in the moment all the time.
0: Well, I, you know, that question, what would you experience in the future or that worry without that thought? What would you experience? Yeah. I post-its all over my house, all over my car, because I was worried about where am I going to be speaking next? What should I do with that relationship? All this stuff. And it was just draining me. So I go, oh, what would you experience without that thought? Oh, I'd be at peace. And after three months, it took me three months to rewire my brain where boom, I'm here. Bob, are you excited to talk to 30,000 people tomorrow? Well, no. Why? Because I'm not there. I'm here with you. Are, are you concerned about the airplane flight? Well, no. Why? I'm not on an airplane right now.
1: So then do you wait until you're in the moment and then you're on stage and you're like, okay, now I'll panic and freak out? Or are you like, no, it's not as bad as I would have imagined it in my mind had I been dress rehearsing it this whole time?
0: Uh well, for some reason, I've been a big show off my whole life. I was a cheerleader in college, a football player in college. I was used to being in front of big arenas. I mean, there's been some professional politicians that are throwing up before they go on a stage full of an arena. So one, I thrived on it. I would never got nervous about it. I would get nervous about, am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to have enough money? Am I ever? And so that didn't serve me at all. So I am currently usually right in the moment. There was a sports psychologist that was asked, what do you do to get the kicker ready to kick the winning field goal in the Super Bowl? He goes, I don't get the kicker ready to kick the winning field goal in the Super Bowl. I get him ready to be okay either way because his worth has nothing to do with a football going through the uprights. If the fans are upset, they're the ones with the problem. If the coach is upset and he's screaming, he's got the problem. But if I can sit there and go, I'm okay either way, I will perform better because the blood hasn't left my frontal lobe. A kid who goes yes. in to take a test, if he's worried about what his parents are going to think, will I ever get into college? He's he's playing movies, blood leaves his front alone and goes, I just can't think. I, I stress out when I'm taking tests. But if you go, oh, I studied, I prepared the best I can, let's see what happens. You probably will score better.
1: It's 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 very true because I used to, I'm the same as you. I love performing, I love getting up in front of big audiences, like the bigger, the better, didn't bother me. And then after American Idol. Totally different. I would get criticized. I would get knocked down. I hated it. I would get so nervous. I would actually sing in a completely different voice than I than I would normally sing in, and it was awful. And I would think in my mind, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to say I'm bad. They're going to say I'm bad. They, and I'd replay it and I'd dress rehearse it all the time. It took me about probably ten years after I was on the show to finally get to the point where I was like, I don't care anymore. I've heard everything like there's really nothing anyone can say to me that I haven't heard about my looks, about my voice, about how good I am, about how bad I am. I should die. I should end my life. I mean, I got all of that. So I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? I've heard it. And at the point where I stopped caring is the point where I feel like my voice and performances were stronger than ever, which was unfortunate because it, it wasn't on, it wasn't for millions of people to see, but it didn't matter. It was for myself. It was something that, oh, I know I can do this. I know I'm, I'm confident in who I am, but I had to get to the point where I guess it was living in the moment. Each time on stage, I wouldn't think about it before. I wouldn't imagine myself performing and what am I going to do? I was just there and I didn't, it I didn't care. I'm like, it doesn't matter. So that's really interesting that that you talk about that. Cause I've kind of lived that firsthand.
0: You know, it, it, part of the journey was learning to not worry about what other people think of you. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of energy to think for two people and it's none of your business.
1: It's so true. It does take so much energy to think for two people and, and, or to think for thousands of people, what is everyone thinking about me? But it's, but it, it does, this sounds so, so nice, but it, is it easier said than done? Like, how do you actually apply these principles?
0: It, it's, it's not applying as I evolved into it. In fact, I had, when I worked with my last coach who taught me connection to other people, connection to myself, connection to nature. And he said, in your mind, we'll quiet down. I had no idea what he was talking about. And he said, Bob, this is kind of like math. You know how you go? I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, I get it. He said, I'm just going to keep pointing. And one day you're just going to go, oh, I get it. This isn't, uh, I, I love this little t- story about a dog chasing his tail. It comes out of a book by Clarity, by uh, Jamie Smart. And so this dog's chasing his tail and he can't catch it. So he hires a consultant. And the consultant says, what can I do for you? I need some speed work. It's a fast tail. Okay, anything else? Yeah, I need some strategy work. It's a clever tail. Anything else? Yeah, time management. Do you know I spend 12 hours a day with this tail? And he goes, can I point something out, just give you a new awareness? And the dog goes, sure, it's your tail. Now, if he gets it, he goes, oh. Oh. And all of those worries go away. But this is the person who doesn't get it. Okay, so it's my tail. Let me write that down. It's my tail. Now, what's the process for me remembering it's my tail? Step one, step two. See the difference?
1: Yep. That's interesting. So when you you said you talk about and, and have learned how to connect to other people and this is how connectivity quiets the mind you talked about nature one-on-one with someone do you spend a lot of time on your phone now or has that in tablets or has that have you sort of given that up in search of connecting more with with being in the present moment with the reality with people and things as they are right now
0: Three or four years ago, my daughter, we found out she was depressed for four years and hiding it. She thought it was her job to make everyone happy. And she was institutionalized a couple of times because she said to her friends, I'm thinking of driving my car into a truck. And we taught all the kids that if somebody appears to be a little off, go, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Do you have a plan? If they have a plan, you don't let that person out of your sight. You surround them and you get them to the hospital and let them decide. Well, yes. we found out that, yeah, she was suffering massive depression for four years. So she got better as time went on. But one of the things she woke me up to, one day she goes, Dad, I got a flip phone. I said, why'd you get a flip phone? She goes, because my regular phone, I don't know why. It just depresses me. It just makes me feel bad. And when I got rid of my smartphone, I just, I started feeling better. So I started doing the research and studying about it. And I was speaking on this on radio stations, TV stations, schools. And most people thought I was an idiot. What What do you know? How how would you know that? Yeah. Well, you know, psychology today, uh, screen time is making our kids moody, crazy, and lazy. Yes. Um, uh, so I I got unaddicted from all my electronics. I'll talk to people on the phone, but I'm not sitting there every time. Do you realize that every time you hear it buzz or go off, you get hit with either cortisol, which is a stress hormone, I got to look at it, or you get hit with dopamine. <gasps> Somebody is interested in me. Yep. And so uh, intermittent variable reward is like a a slot machine. I didn't win, I didn't win, I didn't win, (gasps) I won. I didn't win, I didn't win, I didn't. And they did this on purpose. The literature is out there to get you addicted to these things. And 2007, they came up, interesting. Suicide's gone up, depression's gone up, anxiety's gone up. So one doctor told my friend, uh, you've got stomach issues and head issues and I'm gonna save you $3,000 in doctor's bills. Get off your electronics. He goes, wow. well, I can't do that because I'm... he goes, the don't don't ask me for advice anymore.
1: Wow. He got
0: off of it. All those physical problems went away. We are no. more calm without all that stuff. I, I, I don't think children should even look at those things, especially babies. And if they do use blue light blocking glasses. Are you familiar with that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, we have them.
0: So many people, like I was speaking to the Air Force, and these were drone pilots. I go, you guys are looking at a screen all day. Get yep. blue light blocking glasses and leave your games alone at night. And let's see if you start feeling better.
1: And did, are, and did they report that they did? Have-
0: uh, they said we were getting every single airman, 1,400 of them, a set of blue light blocking glasses because oh, probably no weird. one paid for it. So they said, we're just going to go get them anyway.
1: That is incredible. Well, it really does affect, your, like you said, your moods and, and your emotions. And I've noticed like, if my boys are acting grumpy, I'm like, have you been watching TV? Like they don't have smartphones, but you know, they watch TV or sometimes we'll let them play Nintendo. if They've earned it. But even still, I'm like, it's like almost not worth it because you're just mad afterwards. You're just grumpy and mad and angry. and And I hate it.
0: Well, every time you change your attention, like multitasking, cortisol, 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 stress hormone, cortisol keeps us moving. But if it's over too much cortisol. That's yeah. why my doctor said after four months of uh, panic attacks, Bob, we got to fix this, or you're going to die. You now have an arrhythmia. Your whole body is full of um, inflammation. Your your internal organs are going to shut down. Your your, you know. Anyway, he gave me this list. I said, Well, I'm trying. I just and that's when he finally put me with that doctor Manoff.
1: Oh, interesting. So you want to hear something
0: interesting? And that's this is the TED Talk too. Yes. So one day I'm sitting there getting my yearly physical, and my doctor looks at me and goes do you know how calm you are? He goes, I need to know what you know, because 60% of my parent, patients are dealing with what you were dealing with. And he took me to lunch and I just took him through all the thing and all the literature and, you know, handling trauma and Byron Katie's book. And he said the next year that helped me so much with my patients. Wow. So connection. Uh, there's a book called lost connections and it's the real uh, way to get over depression and anxiety it's getting more connected with with uh, ourselves. We talked about that.
1: And who's uh, that one by, Lost Connection? Uh, uh,
0: Johan Hari, H-A-R-I.
1: And the but other it, one, Byron Katie's, which one was that one?
0: Loving What Is.
1: Loving What Is, okay.
0: Another great book is Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Did you yep.
1: I've, I just downloaded that on my Kindle. I haven't read it yet, but I yeah. just downloaded it. So,
0: I started reading all these books, and I called my coach. I said, "Is this where you got all this stuff?"
1: Yeah, right From yeah. <laughs> all these amazing authors. so what when you get up and 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 speak in front of audiences now, what is your main, what is the, what is the main thing that you want to share with people? Is it, you can be happy, you can have these connections, you can find all of this within yourself. It's possible if you think that you're stressed and you're overwhelmed and I'm I'm just not feeling satisfied with life is what is, what is like one of the main things that you want people to know? Like, no, it is within you. You can have that. And it's just, it's, it's, we get to create it ourselves.
0: What's interesting is because of COVID, all the speaking stopped. It was gone. And I thought, huh, how do I see I had I'm going to tell you a little story why I do what I do. And then make sure you remind me what is it I want to get across?
1: Main point. okay.
0: so uh, I became a substitute teacher because I said I can give them two or three things that maybe they can take away. And one of the things I teach them is or, or try to share with them. I said, do you guys know that you have great power to lift another person? And there's so much sadness around us. And well, I'll take our turn. And this 14-year-old goes, well, I'm only 14 years old. What difference can I make? I said, here's how, how I know you can make a difference. 12 years ago, my doctor told me the little tumor he took out of my chest looks like it spread from somewhere else in my body. He said, Bob, it's a metastatic carcinoma. I'm really sorry. You probably have about a year to live. Now, he was wrong, but I didn't know that for 28 days.
1: Oh my and, God.
0: and I asked my audience, what would you do if you found out you had a year to live? Well, I had already learned gratitude to be grateful in all things. So I picked up my camera and I started filming. I said, kids, I just found out I got a year to live. And I want you to know I'm grateful for every day of life I have with you. And then I got practical. I called the dentist and canceled my dentist appointment because I thought I don't have to go to him anymore.
1: Oh, my goodness. And then my
0: daughter, who was 14 years old at the time, she sits me down. She goes, Dad, I heard the news. I'm really concerned. Can I ask you a question? I said, sure. Dad, do you have life insurance? (laughs) I go, what? She goes, I go, why? Well, um, can we get some money for some clothes? I mean, not today, but you know. So for 28 days, I lived with the news. It was all over. And I'm still going out speaking. And I decided I'm not going through chemo. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to speak until I can't do it anymore. 28 days later, the Huntsman Cancer Center calls me and says, Bob, we made a mistake. You're (gasps) OK.
1: Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine the roller coaster of emotions. I was grateful.
0: Then I got practical. I got my dentist appointment back. And then oh. I took my daughter shopping for clothes because I didn't want her to be disappointed that I didn't die.
1: Oh my goodness. I can't even, like, I, I don't even know. I can't even laugh. It's like horrible. It's it's crazy. I can't believe that, like, you're just so practical about it.
0: Well, this is the point of the whole story. Would that be a hard 28 days?
1: Yes. Somebody
0: said, when you're in a hard place, you might be in the middle of your next inspirational story. There was a little girl in my neighborhood who was 13 years old going through chemotherapy for a brain tumor. She had no hair on her whole body. When she heard about me in that 28 days, this little girl showed up at my door with a plate of cookies and she said the words that literally changed my life. I know what you're going through. Call me anytime, day or night, I think I can help.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: And in that moment, that 13 year old lifted the spirits of an international motivational speaker in his time of need and we all take our turn. But because she did that, I wake up every morning and go, what am I doing with my life? So I, I ask myself this question, who can I inspire today? Who can I talk to today? Who can I lift today? Who can I be a listening ear today? Who can I make laugh today? And I spend the rest of the day looking for that person. Sometimes it was 30,000 people in an arena or 1,600 kids in a school. More often than not, it's the one person behind the counter at McDonald's and they're going to smile. They're going to laugh. I'll, I'll say something like, yeah, my daughter saw that I was real sore from pickleball. My daughter says, dad, just take drugs. You're at the end of your life anyway. And I'll get a a chuckle out of them. And I go, mission accomplished, moving on. Now, in the light of that, my daughter who went through depression, she came up to me one day and says, dad, I don't understand blessings. I go, what do you mean? People only say they're blessed when they're good. The greatest blessing in your life and my life was we went into that horrible depression where we didn't want to live anymore. Dad, I've already saved two of my friends' lives because I can see what I couldn't see before. I couldn't have done it had I not gone through it myself dad, that's my greatest blessing.
1: And wow. I thought for a 19
0: year old, that is beautiful.
1: That's really insightful and wise and mature of her. And so often our greatest trials can become our greatest blessings. If if And a lot of times they go hand in hand. We can't really experience one without the other. When we're going through our hardest times, people lift us like the sweet little girl who came over to you and said, I'm here for you and how much that meant to you. And she wouldn't have done that had you not been going through one of your greatest trials. That's Mm -hmm. incredible. So what's your, what are you doing nowadays now that COVID is kind of, kind of lifted and and people are getting back into the swing of things. Are you back out on the speaking circuit? Are you back out there? Are you still doing smaller gigs and venues? What are you up to now?
0: Uh, What I'm up to is I wake up in the morning, ride my bike for an hour. go What time?
1: What time do you wake up? 6am. 6am. Okay.
0: So I ride the bike you know, to loosen everything up, go play pickleball. And what I do these days is go, now what? And I wait for the inspired thought and I call that person. And this is when my mind quieted, I, I mean, I, I'm jumping all over the place. To hear the whole story from beginning to end, make more sense. Cause you got to start where people are instead of jumping to this, like, that guy's, that's, he's full of crap. My mind right. always has stuff going on in it. But when I quieted down, he wanted me to try an experiment, and Michael Singer actually has a book called "The Surrender Experiment." He said, "Go now, what?" and then just go do it. And so, because I, you know, don't need money, my kids had grown up. I go, I think I'll just try this. So for three years, I would just go now what? Now I've got a book and Barnes and Noble and Amazon. It was dragged out of me. I didn't want to do it. I ended up on the biggest stages in North America again. I just learned that if I have an inspired thought, especially if I'm afraid, well, I don't want to call the athletic director you know, because he probably doesn't want to talk to me. I go, so I just picked up the phone and called. He got right on the phone. He, the next day, he got all the coaches together so I could explain the memory skills. I'll teach their athletes for free. And they, they don't get it. Why do you do this for free? Why do you speak to all these schools for free? Why do you speak to the military for free? I go, how can I charge people for the information that saved my life? They don't have $40,000. Let me give them the shortcut if they're dealing with depression, anxiety, and panic.
1: That's amazing. What is your book called?
0: uh enlighten up
1: enlighten up and you so, said it's available barnes and noble amazon
0: uh-huh or on my website
1: or on your website tell us your website
0: it's uh either bobcatel.com or expertbob.com nobody could spell my name so i went to expertbob to
1: expertbob.com either one and and this is what you, so this is basically what you do now you still wake up now what and and you still love speaking you still love sharing your positive message how to connect to other people how to get outside your mind, live in the present moment. I think that would be amazing. I think you should speak it, and I'm sure you do. Every young woman, young men, fireside, school. I mean, I I hope that you continue to do what you do because I feel like your message is so needed, especially nowadays that people live so much in their minds and in their heads and in the future and in the past. It's like we've forgotten how to connect and be present and, and be happy with our reality as it is now. It's like we've forgotten how to do that.
0: Well, it's interesting with people that are religious. I said, if you're you're dealing with something and you're praying, I even did this up at BYU at a fireside. I said, shut up. Peace, be still. Sit with the question. Get peaceful. I, I use this uh, a metaphor that I learned from someone on a snow globe. If I shake up a snow globe, can you see clearly through the snow globe?
1: Right. No. Okay.
0: What methods do you need to go through? What steps to make it settle down?
1: you have to just set it down and let it do nothing,
0: right? It's the same with your mind. Your mind is all shook up with all these thoughts, right? But if you throw another thought in and another thought in, I'm going to be positive. Now I'm going to visualize something else. It's like you're shaking it. Yep. You don't have to do anything. You settle down. And after every storm, I love this. And especially for people dealing with panic attacks or, or whatever, what happens after every storm? It gets calm again.
1: It gets calm.
0: Every emotional storm with your kids or your, your parents or your spouse, it got calm again. So yep. if if something's going on up here, I just go, huh, this will pass.
1: And you can be patient enough and have the confidence to wait it out because, you know, it always does. It always passes.
0: It's the, it's the uh, power of pause. The oh, power so, of I, pause. so at first, because I was triggered so much, he got me to at least pause. Because if you somebody cuts you off and you start thinking what an idiot he is, yes. at three seconds, your brain goes, oh, you want to be ticked off? We can help you with that. And yes. eight seconds, you're in a rage. Now you're going to do and say things you normally wouldn't say or do, right? Yes. So, so I got into a cab three years ago with a guy who's known me for 15 years. And we were up in Alaska. And I told the taxi driver where we were going. And he floored it, went screaming out of there. And I leaned forward and said, sir, I was in a rollover last year. Could you go a little bit slower? He slammed on the brakes. He smacks his hands on the steering wheel and goes, hey, it's been a year. You should be over it. My friend backs up like this. And I automatically went like this and got really interested because I go, oh, he's in pain. And he's screaming at me. And then he takes a breath. I go, go, is there more? Yeah, there's. And he went on. And then he finally did this. (sighs) Blood just came back. Sir, you're probably right, but my nerves are shot. Is there any chance we could go slower? And he went, oh, okay. And then he became my best friend all the way to the hotel when we got out of the car my friend said to me bob what's going on with you he goes i said what three years ago you would have ripped his head off (laughs) right going on with you and i said well i healed my childhood trauma i found out anger is a secondary emotion the guy was in pain i see the whole world differently and if somebody goes i'm offended they're they're the one with the problem but i'm not going to tell them that but i'll understand something's triggered inside of them and they're still blaming somebody look at our world i'm offended that you use that word i mean somebody called me an idiot i go yeah i'm a little stupid too I mean, it, it doesn't trigger me anymore. I don't have to defend myself.
1: What an amazing way to live. What what a freeing way to live, to not have to worry about flying off the handle and getting angry and upset. I'm sure you still have human emotions. You're still a person, but now you have the tools to be able to calm down and reset and be able to see things and set things in perspective.
0: Well, um, it's, it's, it's automatic now. And you were earlier, you said, um, it's it's harder how did what do you say harder than you it seems it's easier than it seems
1: yeah it 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 might seem like it's not as easy as 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 you make it out so
0: i'm going to just tell you something that eight months of healing the childhood trauma was the most horrifying eight months of my entire life and my doctor said i know you don't believe me but it'll get better one day and i didn't believe him yeah but i had no other choice for me it was i'm going to jump off the cliff literally or i'm gonna go face this one more day and that's what i was living on I go, i'll stay alive one more day one more day one more day and then finally start things started to improve but it's really hard i have a friend who goes and i told him i said this is what you're dealing with this it's affecting your health your mental health and the person said and i said you'll probably die of a heart attack in your 50s and that individual said i don't care i do not want to face that pain Because that individual knew what the pain was and how horrifying it is. So it's really, really hard. You pay a price to get there, but it's worth it. But if I had to start all over again, I don't know that I would want to do it again.
1: I know. I know. Because it is. It's hard to dig all that up and to live through it. And to, you know, I, I can't imagine having to think it through and, and, and go back and bring everything up to the surface. But I think that you are an incredible example of someone who has, and now you get to share that with other people and be that example. Of, if I can do it and, and get through it and be happy and positive and, and, and live a wonderful life, then, then you can too. So thank you so much, Bob, for coming on the podcast today and talking with us. Give us the name of your book and website one more time.
0: Enlighten up. E-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N, enlighten up. And the website is expertbob.com. And just one other thing, you guys, the kids in the schools don't take me seriously. So I started asking my audiences, follow me on Instagram, Bob awesome. Memory. I'm not gonna follow you back. I don't pay attention to it at all, except that I need that big number, like 11,000, and they take me seriously and let me in the school so I could tell them, get off your social media.
1: Bob Memory?
0: On Instagram.
1: On Instagram, Okay. Everyone go follow Bob and I would love for you to come and and speak at our school and speak to our youth groups and share this really important message with them and with us not just for youth I mean I guess if you can teach people younger how to deal with it they'll be better equipped when they're adults like us and maybe won't have to do so much child trauma <laughs> healing and they can have those tools before. You know they get our age and and can deal with it better. So, Bob, thank you again so much for coming on this podcast and for all the good you are doing.
0: Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Available exclusively inside our Turtle House. At our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family, from full egg talks that you can't get anywhere else, from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.